Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host again, Amon, back from Middle Earth. Well met, Traveler. Perfect. Hey, man. What's up? It's been a while. Has been a while. We're excited to have you back, and it's perfect timing, too, because we're back into a primary Hello There box episode today. Yeah, I feel like what a way to get back into the swing of things than doing some of the episodes that we've become known for and some of the ones that we enjoy particularly as well. And as much as I'd love to regale the audience and share some of my adventures and stories from my time in New Zealand, I think it would be prudent if we maybe saved that for maybe our additional feed for our patrons, because we've got a lot to cover today. We The first box that we're doing with two different primaries, and if you've listened to our previous box episodes before, you'll know that the primary section roughly takes about an hour, right? And then we can split up the secondary and the supporting units in that second hour. So kind of nervous as to the length of this potential episode. I know Jesse is quite as well, because yes. this is going to be a doozy in post. But nonetheless, we're super excited because we get to talk about two primaries. And this is the first time that we're going to have Ewoks in a Star Wars tabletop game. So yes, I know Legion has Ewoks. So before anyone kills me in the comments, I do want to address that. However, the scale at which these minis are created for a skirmish game is fantastic. Like we're getting big, small teddy bears. It's awesome. It's a first for Ewoks in the Star Wars gaming world, for sure. We've never had them at this scale to this level of detail. And yeah, getting Ewoks in Skirmish, I feel like I'm on, is definitely a, a different level. No slight to Legion at all. But if you're playing Ewoks in a Skirmish game format, you're playing Ewoks, right? Because you only have a certain amount of models on the table, a certain amount of units is the term in our game. And you're choosing that. You're choosing to actively play that. I mean, for instance, Star Wars Legion, you can play like a half Rebel army, half Ewok army, right? And that's a full army. So we have a little bit of a different situation here where if you love Ewoks, you're really coming to Ewoks. But I do love through the lens we're going to go through today, Amon, is that, and this is going to take time just to learn, but we're going to be kind of laying the foundation of what the Ewoks look like for us in the game over these next couple of box episodes. But then after that, because of Leia Organa, Freedom Fighter, maybe sky's the limit? Time will tell. Sky's the limit. But I think if you're an Ewok enthusiast like we are on this show, I think what's particularly exciting, and you hit the nail on the head here, you can go full Ewok, baby. That's right. You know, Robert Downey work. Jr. in Tropic Thunder once said, you never go full. But I'm telling you, don't listen to him. We're going full Ewok, baby. Certainly. I couldn't agree more. Full Ewok is the way to go. Man, what a thematic and fun list, too, when you roll up and you just have all Ewoks. So many Ewoks present on the table. Keep in mind... These supports are three models on a base, similar to our B1s. So once again, you're just adding to the scale and numbers as well. Some thick bases. Yeah, thick bases with some thick bears on there. And we'll talk about it today in lore. But before we get into Ewoks and everything today, Amon, we do have to thank and mention some special people. Absolutely, Jesse. First of all, Hello There is supported by our patrons and our patrons support us. And we have a ton of new patrons to welcome and join us in our celebrations and our spirit of the force in the new year. We have Joe at the Jedi Knight Sith Warrior tier, and then we have Jacob, Michael, Mike, and Joseph 
at the Padawan and Acolyte tier. So thank you so much for joining the Hello There crew. We're super excited. We cannot wait to get to know you, play games with you, and hobby with you as well. Absolutely. So new year, you guys showing up on the Patreon means a lot to us. Of course, the Patreon is the number one way you can support us. And of course, when you jump on the Patreon, you get immediate access to our private Discord community, our private TTS leagues, numerous other things behind the scenes, things like Adepticon meetups, to name a few. And then, of course, as Adamon said earlier, that second feed of the podcast, where we talk about everything from Star Wars to real life to everything in between. So if you're interested in supporting us, the Patreon is the number one way to do so. And as Kamon said, we just thank these patrons again. And we have to shout out our producers. They get a shout out every episode. So starting with our producer, Bounty Hunter Brady, and our ultimate producers, Sith Emperor Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Daimyo Matt. You guys make this show happen and help us keep the lights on. Absolutely. We also want to give a huge shout out to our affiliate partners as well. Hello there is affiliated with Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site, your resource and source for everything Star Wars Shatterpoint. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the new Ewok boxes, in particular, the Ichiwama Squad Pack. So if you're interested in making a pre-order for these boxes, you can certainly do so at Mr. Laser. He's going to give you a great discount on already discounted prices, especially if you use the code HelloThere5, which gives you an additional 5% in savings when ordering from Mr. Laser. Yeah, and that code does work on everything on Mr. Laser's site. So he did add Star Wars Unlimited recently. Of course, his trays, sleeves, Marvel Christ Protocol, whatever you need that will work on his website. Speaking of Star Wars Unlimited, how excited are you, Jesse? I'm very excited, but I need to find the time in my life. So that's... That's another thing. Yes. Well, the never-ending struggle of family and gaming. That's right. And you and I do this thing on top of all that, which is a separate entity entirely. Absolutely. Well, moving on. Hello There is also affiliated with Imperial Terrain, the number one source for the best and most authentic looking Star Wars terrain for the tabletop scene, especially for Legion and particularly Shatterpoint. John is a good friend of the show. He's a very good guy, and he actually spends a lot of time donating and letting people borrow terrain for a lot of Star Wars events, including a lot of Shatterpoint events. So go ahead and give him some support. Check out his website, and of course, use the code HelloThere5 for 5% off all of their digital products. Yeah, special mention to the Forest Moon Village digital SDL files, which you can get on Imperial Terrain right now, where you can get your very own Ewok Village with our code. Well, let's get right into today's episode, Amon. And we're not starting with an Ewok. We're starting with a rebel, Leia Organa. Arguably the rebel who started it all, at least in the OG trilogy. Yeah, in the OG trilogy, this is Leia is the core of what it means to be a rebel and how our protagonist, Luke Skywalker, and pirate friend Han Solo get brought into this whole thing. So let's talk about Leia Skywalker Organa or technically Leia Amidala Skywalker Organa Solo, who of course was a Force-sensitive female. She was a Jedi and a military leader of the Rebel Alliance, and then later the the New Republic. And she fought not only in the Galactic Civil War, but later in the sequel era, First Order War between the First Order and the Resistance. But today we're going to focus on Leia in the original trilogy, namely what does Leia mean to the Star Wars story? I feel like Leia is one of the most important characters in all of Star Wars. I don't think that's crazy to say. What's cool is we've had three of these back-to-back now, Amon. We've had Luke, Vader, and now Leia. 
but these are three core characters without them we can star wars cannot work and it's so cool because we already have done anakin and padme the parents of luke and leia right so now it it really works for our show that we're we're doing luke and leia now um leia of course was born in 19 bby which is of course 19 years before the battle of yavin alongside her twin brother luke skywalker and leia was always destined for good things because leia was adopted by bale and brea organa of alderaan and she eventually became princess of alderaan so not only does leia have this insane lineage being the daughter of anakin skywalker and padme amidala nabiri but she now has a second family her adoptive family which also have this massive role in the star wars story i mean we talk about bales come up a lot i mean bale is one of the crucial players in forming the rebel alliance her father and bale is one of the people early on during the prequel trilogy pre the rebel alliance's inception actively pushing against palpatine actively pushing in some of these things where the republic's turning into the empire right and he unfortunately sees it firsthand at the jedi temple how that happens right with order 66 and stuff so there's no doubt in his mind leia was raised great by her parents in a fantastic home and a life of luxury honestly which is very different from luke living on the poor farm which is an interesting juxtaposition but it's so interesting that luke and leia both have this spirit in them for rebellion and doing what's right right leia's core is a moral compass and being a questioner and so it was only a matter of time that she got involved with politics and then eventually the galactic civil war so of course during the events of rogue one we get the plans for the death star and they get to leia's ship the tanta v and leia tries to outrun vader right vader captures her and then we kind of have new hope starting right off with leia hiding the plans in r2 and the entire star wars story takes place but you already know so much about leia immediately one of her first speaking scenes is her back talking to vader and imperial officers you know after we just saw vader walk in with rebel troopers you know in there and then choke out the commanding officer right and then all of a sudden leia's in there and she's already back talking to vader right and the same thing happens when leia eventually gets brought on the death star we learn that tarkin's actually in control in charge right not vader leia's going full snark with him right you you have to love it you just have to love it (laughs) and she even lies to tarkin about the location of the rebel base she says it's on dantooine not where it actually is on yavin which is supposed to save Alderaan. That's what he told her, but he lied to her. He actually says the best way to make a, a representation of the Empire's new power is by a peaceful non-weapons planet like Alderaan. It's actively peacefully opposed this empire in the Senate. So every single person Leia's ever known, loved, cared about, had any interactions with in her family, life, school, her planet Earth, you know, and that was George's intention. Alderaan was supposed to look exactly like Earth, right? It's just gone. And so very poignant and notable that leia's journey and luke's journey start at the same time everything that luke loves and knows is killed by the empire and taken from him and same with leia and it's the force that brings them together right so luke and han go to rescue leia leia ends up rescuing them is the fun story there because she is the actually trained fighter that she is you know they're just kind of scrappy guys right they learn what they have through years of just being who they are but leia actually has the training and you know, through Han, Luke, and Leia working together, of course, they get out of the Death Star. And then we know how New Hope ends with Leia, Han, and Luke essentially all working together and the Battle of Yavin happening and Luke taking the shot, right? But then we see moving forward in Empire Return of the Jedi, which I really think is this Leia that we've been given in the game in particular, Leia in a commanding role. Leia as, you know, General Organa. You see her on the Battle of Hoth leading the troops, 
from the command center, right? And this is kind of the role she fulfills the rest of the trilogy as this on the ground troops commander. She's really good at it. <laughs> I mean, also I would say something that's we like talking about Star Wars facts here. And, you know, we talked about in the Vader episode recently, his screen time, right? So Leia obviously has way more screen time than Vader, but I think a fun fact about Leia, she's one of the only characters in Star Wars that every shot she takes, she gets a kill. And we'll see that represented in the card representation today. And Padme was a little bit similar. Yeah, I was about to say, she's like her mom in that (laughs) regard. Yeah. Not only is Leia this amazing person and this amazing, like, headstrong character, but she's really good at fighting, too. And she applies her personality into her fighting, too, where it's not like she's never going to give up. She'll never surrender. And it's cool that she has the training to back it up as well. A lot of training with that with that blaster pistol. I think that's fun because we will talk about that today. Now, I think Leia in this particular version of Shatterpoint, of course, is Leia in Return of the Jedi, which is Leia and Han leading the attack on the indoor moon, the shield generator station, right? They eventually get it done. And Han and Leia finally profess their love to each other. And Leia, of course, learns that Luke is her brother. So a lot of what comes to fruition here. And you also learn from the original trilogy that Leia is force sensitive as well, right? That she's on a path very similar to Luke, though it's more in government and war, right? And Luke's is more of the path of the Jedi, but she uses her force powers and her force adeptness to get things done a different way, right? And this is explored in novels after the original trilogy in Legends and in canon both because Leia, you got to think about it, like she's a Skywalker, right? (laughs) Like, She's incredibly powerful in the Force, but she chooses to follow a different path through the Force, not the path of the Jedi per se. You know what I mean? And, you know, the way a Jedi is changes after this series. But I think to summarize at the very end, I mean, I think Leia is not only one of the best characters in Star Wars and one of the core characters in Star Wars, but I think she's one of the great characters of cinema. And I think it's very important in this modern mythic fairy tale we have in our pop culture that right out the gate, George had a vision for who this character was. And Leia is at the forefront of strong characters, right? Especially she's like a feminist icon for a reason because everything Leia has, she's she's earned and she's shown to the audience. And like I said, she saves Han and Luke when they're stuck in the hallway, you know? And that continues on and on and on. And she's completely self-sufficient character this is not like a she's not written in to have like a female lead in the story right like without her star wars could not exist and that's expanded more in legends and in canon after the original trilogy and it continues on even in the sequel trilogy leia plays a massive role in these arcs in these stories yeah we could talk about leia all day but i'm on but a little bit leia obsessed here because i mean i think she's one of the all-time great characters i would completely agree i think princess leia you know just to summarize like you know she's gone through so much hardship and change. I mean, she loses her planet, but she also leads a rebellion and a resistance, right? She loses her family, but she finds family through Luke, Han, Chewie, R2, 3PO. Over the course of the original trilogy, we see her open up more. Uh, Initially, she is this closed off, kind of almost uses aggression as a defense mechanism to kind of protect herself. But also, you know, original trilogy came on a time where a lot of work and politics was male dominated right so to have oh yeah a woman come out and kind of redefine what it was to be a woman the influence and the impacting change because of her i mean it's incredible you know she matures over the course of the trilogy she finds love she falls in love with han she who she eventually separates with from han you know like that's maturity yeah. and and power she continues to extre- you know experience extreme loss 
through Ben and her son and others, of course. She learns the ways of the Force, becomes a Jedi. That's a completely unexplored <laughs> arc yeah. that I'd love to see at some point, you know, perhaps with new actors or, you know, with maybe the estate of the family's permissions, maybe some CGI or de-aging. I mean, it's incredible. And if you really take a look back at her portrayal, I think Princess Leia, she really would go on to redefine what it meant to be like a princess. But, you know, because yeah. up until that point, especially if you look at Disney, right, like the cartoons that we all grew up on, and that's changing now, but the traditional or the original cartoons and, and animated movies is this whole idea is that there's a damsel in distress and a man or something else, some force needs to save her. And I think Leia is really cool because she showed that women could take charge. And my mom, my mom, again, I mentioned on this podcast, my mom introduced me to Star Wars. Yes. Which is not normal, right? Like usually it's dads or older siblings or cousins or uncles, but it was my mother because she loved sci-fi and she loved Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. She would always say that she loved Leia and I, and I realized that now as an adult, like she showed that women could take charge, that they could rescue themselves. They didn't need no man, you know, as they say nowadays. And yeah. if they wanted to, they could choose to fall in love with, what does she call him? A scruffy looking nerd, nerf herder? Nerf herder, yeah. 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 But she taught us so many cool ways and, and, you know, and she emphasizes like two amazing aspects of womanhood. Obviously, you know, she is a gorgeous. Femininity for sure. Yeah. Femininity for sure. Especially, you know, uh, when she's taken by captive by Jabba, but then that also is like an exploitation as well, like how to objectify women in a negative way. Like Jabba's looking at her in a very antagonistic and cruel oh, manner, yeah. almost dehumanizing her and taking oh, no. away the control 100%. of her femininity. And then while all this crazy stuff is going on and Luke and Lando and R2 are causing a ruckus, she kills Jabba. Yeah. You know, spoiler, like she takes revenge. She puts matters into her whole own hands and she's like, you don't get to do that to me. You don't get to do to anyone. I'm going to make sure you never get to do that to anyone again which I thought was so cool. And the fact that she is a leader, she's the general, she calls all the shots and her twin brother, who's this master Jedi, who eventually is the cause of helping Anakin, aka Darth Vader, redeem and defeat, redeem himself and defeat Palpatine. She's the, still the one calling the shots. Oh, yeah. Like her husband takes orders from her and like Han hates taking orders, but he does it, right? Eventual husband at the time, lover. So Princess and the Pirate. Carrie Fisher, of course. Well, Carrie Fisher is just, without her, obviously George wrote a great character, but, and like you said, breaking through barriers, stereotypes, everything at that time, right? I mean, the first thing Leia says when Luke busts down the door is, aren't you a little short to be an actual stormtrooper? Yeah. She's taking shots immediately <laughs> while and they're taking like, shots. And he's like, I'm here to rescue you. And she's like, I don't know who you are. And he's like, Ben Kenobi. And she's like, okay, now we can talk. Let's get out here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, there's the scene that people often like, oh, she kissed her brother, her, her, her. But it's like, you know, at the time, she didn't know they were related. And no. they're like about to do this like stunt that could easily end their life if it doesn't pull off correctly. You know what? If this swing doesn't work out and I'm going to die, I might at least get a kiss out of it. You oh, know? the first kiss. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was on the second kiss. No, no, no. I'm on the first kiss in the Death That's Star. A, the first kiss is a cheek kiss. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the also second like- second kiss is a real kiss. Sure. But it's, it's also just like, might as well. We might 100%. die. I'm going to have a good time, which I think is so cool. It's so refreshing to see. And so, I, I mean, obviously, Carrie Fisher, Leia, great. Uh, you know, we miss her for sure. Carrie's a legend. Yeah. What a I legend. Mean, you could not have this trilogy without these three actors who are legends playing these three leads, right? And bringing their own take to these characters. And Carrie's punk rock attitude of taking nothing from anyone was 100% brought into the character. And it made Leia better. 
it made Leia better. It made her a better character. So because of Carrie Fisher's portrayal and the writing of this character in the story, like you said, unheard of at the time, especially in fairy tales and sci-fi, to have a female lead be an active driver of the plot. And in fact, the, the male characters are falling behind her, you know, unheard of at the time. Revolutionary. Especially in a fairy tale when you have the princess in the castle, which is the Death Star, locked up, and you've got the knights going to save her, right? Completely flip that on its head. And Leia just continues to represent that more as the trilogy goes on. And even today, through the lens of this discussion and closing out our lore here, is Leia's the glue between the Rebel Alliance and the Ewok Bright Tree Village. Yeah, absolutely. Like the fact that she's able to create this relationship again shows a gentle side, you know, a powerful version of her femininity and her her care and her almost, you know, most people in the situation would be like, oh my God, you know, like we look at them as teddy bears, but in Star Wars, perhaps there may not be this concept of teddy bear. For and sure. Instead of like shooting first, she's like, well, hey, little guy, what's up? You know, like yeah. let's chat. And they become friends. And that's the reason why they're able to help defeat the Imperials, you know, crazy stuff. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I love that Leia has all those sides to her, that she has the gentle motherly side. She has the battle hardened warrior side like she's got all of it right and she can use all these things and then don't even forget she's got padme in there she's a force in the senate and the ot and beyond right like yeah it's amazing stuff and yeah i think we should just talk about leia and star wars shadowpoint today i'm on because this is our second version of leia with only a couple box episodes so I mean, this is a good time if you're a leia fan yes and i do want to point out that the vader 2 and luke box they have been delayed in the United States, at least, and they will be releasing on the same day as the Ewoks and Plo Koon. So we're actually going to get both versions of Leia released to the public on the same day. Bausch, Bounty Hunter Leia, and on the battlefield and indoor Leia. Yeah. Freedom Fighter Leia. Now, before we get into her card, I just want to give a big shout out to Gary Daniels III, who is the artist behind this amazing card art here. Very good. Not only has he truly captured the essence of Carrie Fisher as Leia, but the fact, again, that they continue to blend these old-school movie characters with this new art style and kind of find this happy medium between Clone Wars and real animation is actually incredible. And I could just stare at this all day long. Like, it's it's truly great. I think it's better than the Luke one. Yeah, I agree. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And to get that image of Carrie in there is, is pretty great in this animated style. With that expression, too, like, that's that's her right? It's crazy. She's alert. Yeah, I love it. All right. So let's talk about Leia Organa, Freedom Fighter, primary unit. She comes with seven strike points and she comes with three force. So off the top, again, continuing that trend of original characters, maybe coming with a little bit of force. And maybe this harkens to the fact that at the time in the universe, in the galaxy, the force wasn't as active. I like that. Yeah, definitely less force for these characters thus far in this era. And with the correlation of their what they bring, right? Which is, this is seven, right? So if you're used to Dooku or something, it's not the same. Absolutely. However, I have a feeling that she might be in that same power tier as Dooku as she as we be. continue to explore this card here. So looking at her raw stats here, three durability with a stamina of 10, Jesse. <laughs> yes. That's a nice one, huh? That's really nice. Yeah. Padme's was a little lower. So to see Leia's be higher, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Yeah. I love it. Also, yeah, this is a fully grown Leia, if you will. I guess she's 19, right? No, she she's older than that. 19 years before the Battle of Yavin. She was 19 like when Alderaan blew up. So she's older than 19, though. She's ah, like okay. 23 or something. That makes sense. Yeah, Padme's still, you know, 14-year-old Queen yeah. Amidala. So. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, Leia comes with a tactics ability called Infiltrate. At the start of this unit's activation, one allied Rebel Alliance character may advance. Now, mm. before we get into the meat and potatoes and start dissecting these things, I think it's prudent to talk about her identity up front. Okay. And the reason being is because you can't really evaluate what she's doing until we talk about this identity. So, unexpected allies. Allied Rebel Alliance units have the Ewok tag. Allied Ewok units have the Rebel Alliance tag. Now, speaking of tags, Leia Organa Freedom Fighter has Endor, Rebel Alliance, Scout, and Warrior. So immediately, she benefits from this tag as well. So if placed alongside Ewok allies, which she comes in the box with them, yeah. they both will be able to benefit from one another given the Ewok and Alliance tags being given and gifted to the other members respectively, which is pretty enticing, I think. Yeah, and just to clarify that from a rules perspective, because I actually get this question all the time I'm on, because um, I've been running local events, Leia's allied with herself. Absolutely. Correct. Yes. It's good to point that out. Yes, because sometimes people are like, I can't do X or Y because it says an allied character can do this. I'm like, well, no, actually, you can do it with yourself if you want to, right? If it says it through that lens. But also, Scout and Warrior, what are these tags about? I'm so interested. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious, but... Another point to differentiate when anyone asks that question or if maybe they're disagreeing with our take, if you take a look at other abilities like another one on this card under Coordinated Fire, it says when a character in another yes. allied Rebel Alliance unit. So because it doesn't state another, she is allied with herself, as Jesse mentioned. Yep. So infiltrate. One Rebel Alliance character may advance. That could also be an Ewok. Jesse, free advances at the start of the turn. What are we thinking here? This is great. Yeah, full advances in this game are huge, paramount. Note, though, it does say one character. So this is not like a situation like maybe one of those Jedi that give an entire clone unit dashes, right? This is one character. So one model can full advance. Phenomenal, though. This reads to me what you want in Shatterpoint, which is a two-point swing on your turn when Leia activates, right? So maybe Leia can influence a point on the board, and maybe you can move up someone on another point of the board and potentially swing Two points. Yeah, off the rip, that makes her an excellent Shatterpoint target. Mm -hmm. Because when you Shatterpoint a character or a unit, you want them to have an immediate effect on the board where they're either moving themselves or doing a lot of damage or displacing. And, you know, we haven't even got to her damage tree yet, but she can do two or three of those things, which is quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to uh, the designers once again, Amon. But I mean, this looks very similar to Padme, which I'm not against at all. But of course, Padme has the Royal Command which is a active ability where she can make a chosen Galactic Republic unit advance, right? So we're kind of in the same wheelhouse of design once again. And you got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the good work that they're doing over there at AMG. Yeah, those flavor nods. Absolutely. Now, going over to Leia's tactics abilities, we're going to start with defensive maneuver. This costs one force. Each character in this unit may dash. If any characters dash, this unit gains a hunker counter. Now, as we all know, when playing Shatterpoint, Defensive Maneuver is a classic, generally, clone trooper ability. But if this is your first time listening in because you're interested in the original trilogy or in Ewoks in particular, Jesse, how would you rate this ability? Excellent. Because, I mean, any character that can dash or move through an active ability is great. So the fact that you're getting a dash and then a, a hunker, phenomenal. And I also think it's going to be really good with Leia and these potentially... Ewoks and Rebels in the future, right? Where we're maybe a more ranged based 
squad and they were fighting different battles, right? Like this is kind of all still new to us. Amon, we were talking about how aggressively melee focused the game has been for a while. And I'm hoping that changes this year. And turns out hunkers are really good when they're not taken away when you're locked in melee combat, right? Especially if you maybe take a take cover action on your turn, right? Because now you can defensive maneuver and take a take cover action with Leia, get a dash, get a place of range one. She's got two hunkers and then, you know, maybe take a shot or something, right? So really good for range units, especially. Absolutely. Well said. Let's move on to our next tactics ability, Jesse. Explosive charge. This one is pretty cool. This costs a whopping two force. However, kind of has a cool ability. Choose an objective within range three of Leia. Each allied character within range two of that objective may dash and gain hunker. Then each unit within range two of that objective suffers two damage and removes any hunker it has. So effectively, she's like, that's about to blow up. Friends, get out of there, take cover. So they literally jump behind a tree or a rock and they brace themselves. That hunker comes into play. And then whether they chose to say, doesn't matter. Any units, including enemy and friendlies alike, just take two damage and remove any hunker, which is which is pretty neat. It is neat. It's not diceless displacement, but it's a way to get guaranteed damage, which in some situations might be like diceless displacement. You can tee up some models and have them on maybe two stamina remaining, right? And then just pop that bomb. What's crazy about this amount is this, you know, has higher spikes of power right maybe more as the game goes on when everyone's taking a lot more damage and everyone's clumped up on that priority objective perfect time for leia to come in and blow the charge right absolutely great use case i mean spreading mass amounts of damage spread out of course over multiple characters is very enticing what i really am thinking about right now is let's say you mentioned there's this pivotal point that can help swing the game but they've got this character on there that's just hunkered up hard to hit hard to take out how cool is it spend two force, remove their hunger token, right? Then you can maybe focus and pew pew. That's right. And they're out. Yeah. I do like that a lot too. Man, so many options with this, right? It also says choose an objective. It doesn't say active objective. So this could be after the struggle flip. This can even be a way to get inadvertent movement out of your allies to get them closer to the side points that just flipped or something, right? You know what I mean? To get more support out of Leia, more movement out of her characters. And yeah, deals a little damage to enemies while you're at it. But you also got two Ewoks or Rebel Troopers or whatever it may be in a Leia list in the future dashing out and getting some hunkers not on their turn, right? Great, great distinction, Jesse, about those objective counters. And yeah, absolutely. Maybe you're about to refresh your force and you have two force yeah left over you're just like okay i'll just dash one character maybe two or three characters and they all get hunker great i love it yeah any sort of movement outside of other models turns is always good right so we can probably work with that but i like this a lot two force is a high cost especially for a character that only brings three force but if you can get force refreshing in this list as mon said if you can just hit a crucial time i mean it's amazing and i also think this is an amazing way just to get rid of characters without rolling dice be aware if you have two health remaining at any given point leia could move herself with infiltrate move herself again and explosive charge you if she really wanted to right so i don't know i I think that's cool that's an option on the table as well but this is looking good this is looking good i'm liking this leia a lot it's looking great now when we talk about star wars shatterpoint i think what we've at least between the two of us we've decided that when we're looking at abilities, I mean, obviously the best abilities out there are diceless displacement. Right? For sure. But if a character doesn't have diceless displacement, 
then the next thing we look for is a lot of movement, specifically out of activation movement and helping move your units, Mm -hmm. your your allied units. And Leia, she's the queen of movements. I love it. She's doing really good stuff here. And not only does she have all of this additional action compression that she brings to the game, but she also brings one of the most deadly abilities, (laughs) most deadly conditions to the game through coordinated fire expose. So if this is your first time coming across a coordinated fire ability, when a character in another allied Rebel Alliance unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, before dice are rolled, she can use this ability. If the targeted character is within range five of Leia, they get exposed. So good. She. Once again, only our second primary in the game with coordinated fire on their card and the first being Padme. So once again, mother-daughter, they're killing it here. And that's coordinated fire like with handmaidens, right? This is coordinated fire with Rebel Alliance. We're firing all cylinders here. Also, the Ewoks are Rebel Alliance I'm on. So their Ewoks are getting exposes on their targets from this as well, which is phenomenal for Ewoks, actually. We're going to get to that shortly. Yeah, another thing I want to bring out when we go back to this Ewok Rebel Alliance sharing identity through unexpected allies. Mm-hmm. Think about this. You have a bounty hunter. They paid a for one of the one of the two Rebel Alliance. Sure. Now, because they have the Rebel Alliance tag, they're now Ewok as well. That's pretty sweet. Gnarly. I like it. Well, that's her card, Amon, because we did cover Unexpected Allies, where the Rebel Alliance Sneakwalks get to share tags. But let's jump into her forms here, because they both look awesome. Yes, we're going to start with the stealth mission stance here. She's got a range four blaster attack, and she also has a melee attack as well. The range attack has six dice. The melee attack has seven dice. Her defense on range is five, and her defense on melee is six. Now, going to her expertise here, self-defense, one to two is a block and turning a crit to a hit. Three, two blocks and turning a crit to a strike. And four plus, two blocks, turning a crit to a fail and a reposition. That's pretty good. I think it's fairly consistent. I mean, yeah, you're always going to get at least one block as long as you roll one. I think the sweet spot is three, which can be a little tough. So... I think for most part, when you're rolling defense, I think you can always rely on one expertise, which gives you the block, which immediately nullifies a potential crit because that turns that crit into a strike. So really, you're just removing one from the opponent's attack roll if you're not exposed. Yeah, for sure. And I think Leia's expertise being this strong, I mean, obviously, the value of hunkers and cover go up a lot because anybody that has this like removing crits stuff, it's huge in this game, right? Because there's usually nothing you can do about crits, right? So I say removing, I mean, downgrading or removing crits, right? Through this expertise. So once again, another point in the hunker camp I'm on. You know, if Leia's got two hunkers and she's also in cover, that's three more defense dice, right? Absolutely. Helpful. Certainly. Now, this is Leia's melee stance, if you will, if you yeah, have to for differentiate sure. between the two. So we're going to take a look at her melee and range expertise here. We'll start with the range expertise, the DDC Sporting Blaster. One to two, strike and a damage. Three expertise, a crit and a damage. Four plus, a crit, a strike, and a damage. Not super exciting. No, but, you know, you'll take it. <laughs> like You'll take it. It's solid enough, but yeah, it's no... Keep in mind, Leia, once again, she's bringing seven points, right? So through that lens. Jesse did mention that she is a Jedi, but in this part of the lore she is she is no jedi luke hasn't told her yet or he he just told her but she's like what does that mean yes exactly now 
This is where we get to the good stuff here. That close combat melee expertise. One to two is a crit and a strike. Woo! (laughs) There we go. There (laughs) we go. There it is. (laughs) Three expertise, a crit, and a reposition. Four plus two crits and a reposition. Pretty solid stuff here, though I think my favorite is I'm hoping I only roll one to two, just because that's two additional dice added. Um, Unless, of course, you really need that movement, but you shouldn't, because it's Leia. She moves everyone, including herself. But that reposition, like... She can move herself three times now, potentially, in a turn, right? That could be a huge point swing, right? She could get across the board in a massive way. I mean, this this is good. I think Barris and Lumi still catch people out with that reposition right at the beginning of their tree sometimes. Oh, yeah. And people are like, wait, I thought they were slow. And it's like, they are slow. And, and But if they get that one, some of them get right in. So I don't know. I like it a lot. Let's look at how she fights in melee, Amon. Yes, let's do that. So we're going to start with... A strain and a damage. That is the starting tile. You don't really have an option. Interesting. Other than that. Usually strains aren't that at the front. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now from here, you have two options. You can either go for a disarm and two damage or a shove and one damage. We're going to continue down the bottom path, though. Let's say we take the shove and a damage. We're going to go up to another shove and a damage. Then we're going to go to two damage. And then we're going to another reposition with a damage here, which is pretty exhilarating to be honest yeah that'd be six damage if you went all down that bottom path but then you're giving them strain as well with two shoves and a reposition i mean that's a lot of moving around because keep in mind this reposition happens after these follow-ups right and you can engineer your follow-ups different ways to set up a really strong reposition at the end of this cycle right absolutely and if you happen to roll a reposition in your expertise then you get an additional reposition after yep you fulfill the tree Crazy. Ingress gets added to all that too, right? Because the movement's not done until you place off the ingress as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. She's zooming. Now, I did mention that the is another option. Again, so let's say we start at the strain and damage and we go to the disarm and two damage. We can continue along the tree as we previously mentioned in the form of that second shove. This would be the first shove in this tree, then that two damage and that reposition and a damage. However, if you don't really want the shove, you can skip the the shove and go to a pin and a damage before going back down to the two damage and then the reposition and the damage. So this is really cool because this allows Leia to be someone who can knock people off points if you want some displacement through those shoves and then maybe re-engineer herself to get around through that reposition. Or you can just make her, and this is something that we're seeing a lot with Rebels, and you know, there's only been two Rebels boxes, including this one, and this is kind of like a hybrid here, that they're just stacking conditions i mean three successes in you can strain disarm and pin someone yeah let's not forget bausch gives you every condition in the game yeah also if you go this path i'm on like you said you lose your displacement but you get these conditions and you get one more damage so now you're doing seven which can take out a lot of supports yeah she means business and obviously you know leia is probably not going to start an engagement especially from stealth mission her melee side This is most likely you activate, you flip to it because you happen to be in combat. You take some people out and then you reposition away. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the repositions will be huge too, right? When you're in combat, right? For me, there's expertise or the tree itself because now you weren't restricted by movements and have to downgrade to that dash, right? While you were stuck in melee. Now, one thing I do want to point out, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about when it comes to evaluating characters. We love talking about full trees. We love talking about the maximum potential a character can do. But I think... I'd like to set expectations in the fact that more often than not, you're probably getting around three to four. I think the math is 3.5, so three to four successes. In general, 
And so that's something what you, that's what you should aim for. It happens to be more than that great, but when you're looking really through that lens, those two shoves seems a lot more appealing. For sure. But don't expect if this is your first time playing to play Leia and say, "Hey, you know the hello there guy said that they, she can do seven damage and she can do all that and always get that <laughs> reposition." That's not the case, and you know I I don't want right. to have anyone have those expectations going into it. It's oh, definitely sure. her maximum potential, but there's going to be a lot of attack actions you make where you don't get that reposition of the expertise and you don't make it that far down the tree. And so she's not as mobile as she might be in that situation, but you know, hopefully you can get that shove at least. That being the second tile is still pretty yeah. good. Great shout out, man, for sure. Absolutely. I always plan to get three spots in my tree and that's all I ever plan for. I never plan for more. So... That's a good lens to frame your play patterns for sure. But okay, so that was our melee tree. Let's hear about this crit pistol. Yeah, and you said it, right? So not to bury the lead there too much. Frontal Assault is the name of this stance. Now, we're going to do a little bit of inverse of stats here. The range attack is still range four, but it's going to get seven on offense and six on defense. And the melee is now going to get six on offense and five on defense. Self-defense is her defensive expertise on this side, one to two, a block, turning a crit to a strike, three two block turning a crit to a strike which is similar as the previous but the fourth one is a little bit different instead of getting two block you only get one block on frontal assault you turn a crit to a fail however and you get a reposition if you roll four expertise so it's one less block on the four plus but everything else is the same yeah okay she's got to give up something here (laughs) let's be real yeah and you know it's still it's still pretty solid Now, moving over to her close combat training expertise and her DDC Sporting Blaster. Again, they kind of just inverse. So whatever one was doing on the other side, they do it on this side. But for the sake of doing this holistically, close combat training, one to two, a strike and a damage, three, a crit and a damage, four plus a strike, crit and a damage. Whereas the DDC Sporting Blaster, one to two, crit and a strike, three, a crit and a reposition, four plus two crits and a reposition. Yeah, super cool. It's which Leia do you want? Like, as Amon said earlier... That's all you have to put yourself in the lens of. She kind of at range, is she hunkered up shooting or is she in combat? And what are you looking for, right? So you might be swapping forms a lot with Leia. And I I like that. I like that. Big fan. Now let's talk about this tree. Now we're going to start at two damage. This is the stance where Leia means business. That's right. You know, she's probably throwing an insult at you while she's shooting at you. Oh, yeah. From here, you have the chance of going up or down. So we're going to go down and we're going to start on the second tile here which is a strain and a damage. Seem familiar? Yeah. Now from here, you have the option. Do you want displacement or do you want more status conditions? If you choose to go towards the middle of the tree, you can go up. It is a shove and a damage. Or you can go straight and follow the bottom path and you'll get a pin and a damage. Both of those options do allow you to go down towards an active ability or straight if you're taking the bottom path and then culminate in three damage. Now, let's go back to that shove and a damage in the middle. So let's say we start at the two damage, we go to the strain and a damage, then we go up towards that shove and a damage. From there, you can continue to go diagonally up and get a reposition and a damage before you hit three damage. And to make matters even a bit more confusing audibly, if you start (laughs) at the beginning with two damage and you take the top path, you can get the expose and a damage and two damage, or you can jump down to the middle get that shove and a damage, and then from there you can go to that reposition and a damage or the active ability before culminating in that three damage zone. Now again, plan for three, hope for four or five. If the dice work out in your favor, you get the whole shebang here, but overall what we're seeing here is a little bit more damage. Yeah. Still stacking conditions. The shoves are harder to get though. 
Yeah, well said, Amon. I mean, on this tree, if if she wants to go max damage route, she can. Along that top pass, she can deal nine, right? With reposition and an expose. That is nothing to scoff at, but I like what you said about thinking about three or four spots in. What's notable about this tree, three or four spots in, notably the four spots in, is you get reposition on the fourth spot on this tree, not the fifth spot. That's really important, especially when you're shooting from range and trying to get up into the fight. But then you also get that active ability, as Amon said. So maybe this is a great way to get that explosive charge for no cost or get an additional movement from just a, a defensive maneuver, right? So once again, Leia's got movement while she's fighting, which I really like. But a lot of it's based off of what you roll and where you get to. And like the last tree, she has access to a lot of conditions depending on the path you snake through to give conditions, right? So she's kind of got it all and it makes a lot of sense. She's Leia Organa. She's great at everything on the battlefield and she's quick on her feet, right? So you're kind of making the choices as you fight, right? Absolutely. Jesse, have you ever played a board game called Nemesis? Yes, I have. So this, to me, looks a lot like the Nemesis board because it looks like two rooms and the paths around the Nemesis Perfect. board. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought you were about to be like, is Leia the scout or something? I'm like, oh, maybe. But yeah, great game. Nemesis. Phenomenal Great game. game. But for those of you who have played Nemesis, this might help you visualize what we're looking at here. But overall, summarizing Leia, I think she's really exciting. I think the strength of Leia comes in her ability to be a general, right? And they've kind of demonstrated this through her movement, her coordinated fire exposed, which is so good. And then her ability to augment your team and add more variety when it comes to list building by interchanging that Ewok and Rebel Alliance so that both sets of characters with said tags can benefit from one another, which is very exciting and gives you like a little bit more insight into the unpictured battles that we didn't get to see in the movies, right? Like, oh, yeah. We know that the Imperials eventually start to fight back and they hit pretty hard. But in that initial surge where the Ewoks and the Rebels were working together, like how coordinated were they? Did we have examples of Chief Chirpa like maybe banging a stormtrooper on the head before it took out, you know, a Rebel Pathfinder or some sort of Rebel Commando? Like it's super exciting to think about. And so for me, like big fan, man. And I think that's the strength of Leia. Yeah, a lot of it's Star Wars What If, right? Which we love about our game so much, but a lot of it's Star Wars that probably just would have happened or did happen regardless. We just haven't seen it yet, right? And I think Leia's identity is so cool, Amon, because, I mean, is it our first identity game that's changing list building in a different way? I think it is in the sense of like, it's basically saying your list building is altered due to having this primary because everything's going to start talking to each other that wouldn't have talked to each other otherwise, right? And I think that's really cool. I think that's unique and super interesting. And that gives me hope for the future of more Rebels releases being able to talk with these Ewoks, right, is, is what essentially Leia is ha- making happen here. So I, I think this is a great primary. and I think she's going to see a lot of play, and I'm excited to see where it goes. But we got to get into the Ewoks now, man. We got to. Well, why don't you lead the way with Chief Chirpa? Absolutely. So before we get into Chief Chirpa, let's give a quick summary of the Ewoks, because it seems like we're going to be on them for some time. So the Ewoks were a small, statured species of furry bipeds native to the Forest Moon of Endor. Keep in mind the Forest Moon of Endor lot smaller than Earth, right? But there's about 30 million Ewoks on Endor. That's a lot. So the fact that they have such a large population, though, they're a smaller planet overall. Very cool. They only stood about one meter tall, which is the Star Wars metric they used for everything. Of course, is a little bit over three feet. They use spears, slings, knives as a weapon. They had very primitive weapons. The most advanced technology they had was gliders, which were made fully out of wood, and catapults, which were fully made out of wood. And of course, log traps, which I'm sure will continue to come up in our discussions. 
they were never yet to progress past the stone age of our world, right? And this was all intended. This was all based on what George wanted for the Ewoks, which I think is so great. The concept and creation of the Ewoks was George Lucas created the Ewoks because he wanted the final movie of the trilogy to feature primitive creatures that had Stone Age technology bringing down a super heavily funded and advanced technological empire. And we get that in the movie. And what's crazy about that is originally the first draft of Return of the Jedi and the original plan was it to be Wookiees and Kashyyyk, not Endor. But George had George and the writing teams had basically looked at it and they said, we've established in the lore to this point in Star Wars that Chewbacca is awesome with technology, <laughs> that he is great with weapons, he is great with vehicles, he is a great pilot, he's, he's a great mechanic, right? The Wookiees are completely on the same level as, as regular humans right in Star Wars Galaxy. And they realized they'd established that in the canon. So they invented the Ewoks, which I think is great. But the original idea was like Wookiees on Kashyyyk with spears and stuff. But, you know, we know to be the Wookiees very advanced, right? In a different way. So Wookiees had to be scrapped and we had to be Ewoks, which is great. Ewoks are omnivores like us. They eat fruits, vegetables, and meats. <laughs> That's going to come up, I'm sure, in some of the discussions because they like their meat. And Chirpa. So let's talk about the lore of Chirpa. So unfortunately, since the Disney acquisition of Star Wars, all of Chirpa's legends lore is long gone, and there's not much in canon anymore. Chirpa was the son of Buzza, who is the, one of the chiefs of the Bright Tree Village. Keep in mind, we're talking about the Bright Tree Village through all of our discussions on the show, which is the village and tribe we see in, in Return of the Jedi. Of course, there's so many more Ewok tribes and villages all across Endor. But the Bright Tree Village is going to be our focus because they're the Ewoks we know. And Chirpa was the chief of the Bright Tree Village for 42 seasons, which is great. He was married to Raleigh, and he had a daughter named Kanisa. And Kanisa eventually in the old Legends canon became the chief after Chirpa's passing. And she would have been the first female chief. That has now changed. We don't know what happens to Chirpa yet. Now, of course, what's cool about Chirpa is through Legends, he got this role as chief through getting the Ewoks through some wars, right? And what's interesting about that, it's very much he didn't choose to be chief. He didn't choose to be leader he rose to the occasion, right? Because the Ewoks used to fight in wars in the old canon against a different group of creatures on Endor called the Duloks, which is in the old cartoons and some of the Ewok films that were made for TV as well. So basically, Chirpa became a leader. He fought in these wars. And the tribe was like, well, you got to see these wars. You have to be chief now. And he reluctantly accepted it. Think Thor and Oakenshield and The Hobbit, that type of thing. So that's no longer canon, but one would still believe in the head canon that Chirpa has led them through wars because he's been the, the chief for so long. And of course, Chirpa leads the war against the Empire. He was actually the one who allowed the Rebel Strike team, led by Han and Leia and Luke, to become part of the tribe, which was unusual to let anyone other than you walk into the tribe. And he directly helped the Rebels achieve their mission by attacking the indoor shield generator base and helping bringing them down, which is really important. And Chirpa has a pet iguana. What's not to love about that? I love it. You see it in the movie on him. It's phenomenal. He also has a staff that's made out of like bones of creatures he's killed. And he's killed a lot of creatures because you got to think about this, Amon, where it's like the only enemies the Ewoks had before the Empire were either in the old canon, the race I just mentioned, or massive creatures of Endor, like giant trolls and beasts. And so the Ewoks had to find ways to 
deal with those because they're small. And something I haven't mentioned about the Ewoks yet, which I think is very cool and very notable. Ewoks may be small, but they are dense. They are heavy and they are strong. Think think thick of it all. Boys. Yeah, thick boys. Think of it as think of it as apes, right? The smallest apes are stronger than many men, right? And a lot of the Ewoks are are like that. They're as strong as a grown man. And part of it's just how their bodies are made. And part of it is they're heavy. They are heavy. They're heavy for their size. I mean, if you're notable, because I know we're going to talk about Ewoks fighting stormtroopers. Also notable, I mentioned the creatures of Endor that were really predators against the Ewoks, right? The Ewoks did not make these nets and log traps and booby traps for the Empire. They use them in the battle of Endor against stormtroopers and ATSCs and stuff. No, they made these to defend their villages against apex predators. So if anyone's like, how did they get those log tracks up so quickly for the ATSDs and stuff? No, those were already there. That's to dissuade the trolls, the other carnivorous creatures of the planet, to smash into them to scare them away. And that's a cool fun fact. Last fun fact about Chirpa before we get into his Shatterpoint rendition. Chirpa was a great tribe leader. Don't know about a ton about him in canon anymore, but I mean, he is this great warrior in both canon and legends and serves as chief longer than most right that's always a sign of a good leader when people keep voting you back in you know absolutely i completely agree and you mentioned from the beginning 30 million ewoks on the planet yeah insane and (laughs) what that immediately happened in my brain where it took me all the way back to biology class in high school where they talk about r and k selected species so not sure if right anyone remembers, but if you happen to maybe awaken a core memory because of this, I'd be very happy to hear that. As a quick refresher, our selected species are generally small, fast-growing organisms. They tend to live in unstable environments, and because of that, they produce a ton of offspring to hopefully have more chances of said offspring surviving and continuing to you know, extend the lifespan of their race and create more generations. Whereas K-selected species like Typically larger, slow-growing organisms, they live in stable environments and they only need to produce fewer offspring because they're so stable. So for K-selected, think humans and elephants. Those are the two examples I can recall. Whereas an R-selected species might be rats, cats, dogs even, you know. Great shout out, man. And you you disrupted something in my brain, which is mentioned the lifespan of the Ewoks through that lens is less than humans. It's a shorter lifespan. So an old Ewok is 40 to 60 right? Frequently, a lot of humans would be middle-aged range. Ewoks are in the last years of their life. So for Chirpa to have served this long as chief, notable because the Ewoks have shorter lifespans in general. So, Absolutely. Well, yeah, I learned a lot about Chirpa, of course, and unfortunately some of that is now in Legends, but the whole Ewok thing, I mean, the one thing I'll take away is them boys are thick. Dense boys. You don't want them jumping on your head like some of the stormtroopers get jumped on their head. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Not to derail us too much here, but is there a difference between the sexes when it comes to Ewoks in terms of physicality? Like, do we see any female Ewoks? Yes. Yes, we do see some female Ewoks. But yeah, for us human passerbys, it's probably not easy for us to tell. There are some female Ewoks in the Battle of Endor. And of course, like I said, Chief Chirpa had a wife. And of course, they produce offspring. So probably very similar amount to how as humans unless we're a zoologist or something it's probably hard to tell male and female bears apart true second question can an ewok be a jedi yes and no so 
the Ewoks obviously similar to the Witches of Dathomir. And we're going to get into this more next box episode when we talk low gray. Everything in the galaxy has the force, right? And we know certain creatures are born with a higher level of ability to commune with the force. So there have been some Ewoks that have had a little bit higher level to communicate with the force, but I don't know of an Ewok that made it all the way through the Jedi Knight path, you know, but I definitely know similar to the Witches of Dathomir, Ewoks that have used or called upon the force, but you got to think about it, man. they just don't know. It's just like the Witches of Dathomir. It's they commune with the force in a different way than the traditional Jedi or Sith teachings path. But no, I think in a typical sense, they're probably lower force sensitivity in general. Yeah, it turns out a quick Google search has shown me that there was an Ewok Jedi in Legends. Sure. I believe it. There's been, there's Ewok bounty hunters, right? In Legends. Yeah. There's some it's, good Ewok stuff out there. It seems like it's more of a limitation of their species. It says, unusually for most Ewoks, and this is an unnamed Ewok, was born with an, this Ewok was born with the necessary mental capacity to access and utilize the Force. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, another fun fact about the Ewoks, which I always found very strange, and this is in modern canon, post the Battle of Endor and the Rebellion winning and stuff, some Ewoks do go off world. They do join and start helping be a part of the forming of the New Republic, which is very cool. And additionally, the New Republic starts a program, which I find oddly demeaning of Ewoks in some ways, but essentially it's soldiers that through the Galactic Civil War that endured really traumatic war experiences have an option to if the, some Ewoks are willing to get Ewok companions, almost like as therapy companions or pets. Wow. Say you were a rebel commando and you saw some stuff. There's Ewoks that have volunteered to get integrated in the New Republic and, you know, maybe venture off indoor, right? They've, they've chosen that. And then the New Republic's like, well, do you want to be a therapy companion? <laughs> so very interesting little tidbits that are thrown in canon and legends, both about Ewoks all over the place because they are so fascinating Star Wars mythos for sure and chirp is no different chirp is a great leader well let's move on to chief chirpa in star wars shatterpoint also some amazing card art here iguana looking great on that shoulder i love it seven strike points three force primary unit so you know we see seven strike points and we think well they should be better than average then so <laughs> yeah this is not see. eight it's not eight. Let's see where Chief Chirpa leads us. So, again, hot stats here. Stamina of 10. I like it. However, as we mentioned earlier, they are smaller diminutive creatures. And while they may be dense, they don't particularly wear any armor. No. And as a result, unfortunately, they are quite susceptible to blaster fire and thus have a stamina of two. How do we feel about this, Jesse? Yeah, it is sad. It is sad, but it's also like the design space that AMG clearly wants this to go and something that could be easily overlooked, Mon. It was definitely overlooked the first time I saw the cards because I was immediately reading abilities, right? I was not looking, looking at the stamina, so the durability, excuse me. So yeah, I mean, how often has Maul been removed off the table for you is a better question. I can think of two off the top of my head. I'll be safe and say no more than three times. Not very much. So I know we can get fixated on this stuff, but usually primaries are not removed off the table and the only primaries that are removed off the table are two durability ones and it still seems rare now you can focus fire some ewoks if you want so i'm not saying it's not going to be impossible for chirpa and maybe even more maybe it's going to happen more to chirpa than does even maul because maul has that attack back right so time will tell but i'm i'm not super concerned at the moment but maybe i should be i think this harkens back to what amg said 
I believe during mini extravaganza where the whole idea for Ewoks and the strategy is that they're going to swarm points very quickly. And yep. like the true battle of Ender that occurred, the stormtroopers eventually were able to hit back and take them out after they were able to kind of recover and regroup. And so you want to win hard and fast with these guys because in a prolonged engagement, they're going to go down and this probably yeah. doubles down on that philosophy. I love the design, honestly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the design. Endor, Ewok, and Chief. Those are the tags. Looks good. He's a rebel if he's with Leia. That's right. His first ability here is an active ability. Bolotos costs one force. Choose an enemy unit within range three of Chief Chirpa. The chosen unit gains exposed or pinned. Let's go. This is a strong start. I really think it is actually it's just a really strong start. Expose on a stick. Let's go. Pinned on a stick. Yeah. Pinned I mean, they're both windy shatter point. Yeah. 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 We talked about this on the podcast. Those are our two favorite conditions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still convinced pinned is the most debilitating convention in the game. But what's interesting about expose is expose can lead you to more pins or just being removed, which arguably could be better. But he has a choice. And what's great about this too, Amon, is this is his own coordinated fire for himself. Yeah. Because he could do this before he attacks. I love it. And it doesn't matter if he's engaged. It doesn't matter if he's yes. good, not good engaged. Good along within three, boom, you get hit with that bola, baby. <laughs> You're getting smacked. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff. Looking good All so right. far. Yeah. Starting strong. Next active ability, stealthy approach costs a force. Each character in this unit may dash. Then this unit may gain hunker or immediately make a focus action. Oh, man. Ewoks are looking awesome. Yeah, this is a great start as well. So you've got options. So if you're on the approach, maybe the hunker. If you're in the fight, the focus, you've always got a choice. Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking to get an extra dash and then hunker, it's great. But Jesse's absolutely correct. Quick play pattern between the first two abilities alone. Stealthy approach, whether you get the dash or not, maybe get closer to your intended target. Yeah. Then you make a focus. Then you bola toss them. And then you hit them. It's a big hit, baby. That's a big hit. It's really strong. I like it it's, a lot. It's real dense. Yeah, he's dense. He's dense, Chief. We've got two innate abilities. The first one is mobilize the village. While this unit is not wounded, characters and other Ewok units within four, range four, add one dice to their attack rolls. I think the not wounded is very important, but that's a lot of dice. It's a lot of dice. And keep in mind, if Leia is also on the table, all rebel slash Ewok units within range four add one die to their attack rolls. It's great. Yeah, we're getting Kalani levels of support here. Yeah, I mean, just think about Chief Chirpa and Luke together taking on the world. I like it. Yeah, I do too. I like it. Next innate ability, Sharp Stick. Characters in this unit have impact too. When a character in this unit makes a melee attack, the target does not benefit from protection. That's nice. Bye-bye, Fifth Brother. (laughs) Can you just see Fifth Brother like just getting stabbed? By this bone stick that Chief Chirp has, you know, taken out of the bodies of his enemies and just, I don't care about your protection, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like that he has impact too innately and he has an innate way to get focused without taking an action. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you just can't beat it. Excellent. Well, let's talk about his identity here. And this one's quite a long one. So mm-hmm. try to pay a bit more attention if you can. Bright Tree Defender. While this unit is not wounded, again key point there when another allied ewok unit becomes wounded after the effect is resolved roll an attack die on a strike or a crit 
Each character in this unit may reposition and make a five dice attack. So if an Ewok unit or a rebel unit that has the Ewok tag thanks to Leia mm-hmm. gets wounded, if you roll a crit or a strike, Chief Chirpa can reposition and make a five dice attack. Nice. On a fail or an expertise, each character in this unit may dash and recover twice. It's good stuff. It's Ahsoka for Ewoks. It's pretty solid. Yeah, I would say very similar. It definitely gives me Ahsoka vibes. That's a great shout. The interesting conundrum with abilities like these is that you can't really control it. And so that immediately, I think, would alienate a certain player base in the sense that a lot of people who prefer consistency, appreciate consistency, especially in, you know, top table play or competitive events, like to rely on stuff that they can rely on. Unfortunately, when you roll the dice, you're not really sure what you're going to get. Now, the best way that I would recommend looking at this is no matter what, when an allied Ewok unit becomes wounded, regardless of how they became an Ewok Ewok unit, at base, you're going to be able to dash, right? So think about it that way, because yeah, it's a reposition or a dash, but you always have to account for the worst scenario. So it's a dash. I think the tough part about it, Amon, is we know how strong Ahsoka and Mother Talzin's responses are. This is kind of akin to those it's in the same wheelhouse, but they could be wounded and they can still do their responses, right? He cannot. Another great shout, which I think is important. It's and I'm glad chief. you brought that up. Yeah. If he's down, you know, all this stuff turns off. Yeah. I mean, they got to protect the chief. So I think that to me makes me feel that, again, I think he's very good and I like Chief Chirpa. I plan on playing him. Yeah. But I'm not going to hope for anything other than a dash, whether it's for covers or a five dice attack or the reposition. If those come, great. At the worst case scenario, I can know that I can always count on a dash. And that's how you have to play him, I think. If you want to roll into the casino mechanic or you're playing a little bit more casually and have a little bit more fun, then yeah, let's see what happens, right? But I think from the lens that I'm looking at it, which we do, both Jesse and I are tournament players, so we do try to look at things from that lens, though we don't let it obscure our lens entirely. Mm. It's just something to consider, for sure. Yeah, we want you to excel too, so we want you to know this, that you've either got to keep Chirper really healthy and safe, or you've got to not count on things as much. I do like that, Amon, that it does reward, it rewards you as the player, Chirper not being wounded, because you essentially get two massive things, mobilize the village, where all you walks are getting more attack dice, and then Bright Tree Defender, if he's not wounded. So it says a lot about how you need to play him, too. Yeah, you almost want to roll a failure on expertise, so you get that dash and the recovers to just keep him topped off. I like it. But already my mind is starting to turn a little bit like, oh, I wonder if I just play Lumi and I just, you know, give him a full heal or something. For sure. Well, let's move over to his stances now. We're going to start with Bright Tree Elder. No range attack here. Defense of five at range. Six and six on offense and defense when it comes to melee. Defensive expertise, stoic guardian, one, a block, two, a block with a crit to a fail, and three plus two blocks with a crit to a fail. Jesse, from a defensive perspective, including his raw attack and defense characteristics, what do you think? Honestly, those are pretty good. I like that too. Like, that's kind of rare. That's like some of that's uh, Jedi-esque. But yeah, I mean, he's doesn't really roll a lot of raw dice on defense, right? Once again, I guess we're kind of into this Ewok thing of... They don't like focus fire, right? But I do love these like crits to fails at two and three, respectively. I mean, that's that's pretty big. 
Yeah, I definitely think the sweet spot is to, as you say, and on six dice, I think you should get two expertise quite often. So I think you could potentially plan for it. Just keep in mind the dice are going to dice. Dice are going to dice. Looking at offense here, we've got a spear. (laughs) One expertise, a strike and a damage, two to three. A strike, crit, and a damage, four plus two crits and a damage. I kind of like this. Again, we're seeing that sweet spot of two. Yeah, it's good stuff for the Ewoks. Yeah, this is a lot of damage here too. So watch out. (laughs) But nothing wrong with this. Yeah, I think very interesting because we see that this is a seven strike point character. So you're thinking, well, hmm, is it because Ewoks are supposed to be a little bit weaker, which is why one of them was made to be a three? Is this just like a victim of the whole, because the primary is X amount, the stuff that has to come with it have to add to equal that amount? Or is it that, again, like Leia, the strength of this character is in his actual unit card versus his offensive and defensive capabilities, right? I think so, yeah. Because I think a theme we're going to see with the Ewok this episode and the next Ewok episode is these Ewok primaries have tons of like secondary type support built into their primary cards on top of being a regular primary character card, right? And that's just kind of a design space they did for Ewoks and it seems to work. I agree. Let's go into the actual tree here. So we're going to start with a shove and a damage, the vaunted shove and a damage here. Love it. We love it. Now from here, you have two options. You can either go to a disarm and two damage. Or you can take a second shove with a second damage. Not against it. Not against it. From there, both trees will culminate in two damage, which is pretty nice. Both branches will culminate in two damage, which is pretty nice. And then from there, we'll jump to a strain. And then you have one more decision. You can end the tree at two damage, or you can choose an active ability, which again, as a reminder, is either Bolotas or Stealthy Approach and a damage. Yeah, it's straightforward. It's simple. I like it. You can result in seven damage if you want it. I like the free ability too, Mon. I like the bullet toss after of just like throwing a pin on somebody. Yeah. But again, I love the fact that you just get two shoves off the rip. Amazing for displacement. It's often all you really want in a game where minis aren't necessarily being removed from the table all that much. Yeah, you're fine with it just being two damage there, right? Like you're not upset because two shoves is higher value for sure. But the disarm second spot and two is pretty notable. I mean, also dealing five damage on three successes is pretty notable, too. Yeah. That's a little unusual for, for some primaries. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a teddy bear with a stick, right? I mean, it's he's a thick boy, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's a diminutive creature. So I think it's very fascinating. I really like this. Um, and I think some of the strength that we're going to see from Chief Chirpa is, in fact, this Bright Tree Elder stance. It's incredible. Yeah, I think it's just solid all around, right? And, you know, you can do... It doesn't have a lot of branching paths, but these are all things you want to do with him, right? So, Well, if you liked that one, let's talk about Fury of the Forest here. So melee and ranged defense are both five, so one lower on melee here. But you're going to get one more offensive dice on melee at seven. If we're going to go to Stoic Guardian, it's going to be a similar tree, though not as effective. Effectively, you're going to get the same block characteristics, but instead of turning the crits to fails, you're going to turn the crits to strike. So one, one block. Two, a block, turning a crit to a strike. Three plus, two blocks, a crit, turning to a strike. Interesting change, Jesse. Any thoughts on that? No, he's just worse defensively, but that's because he's leaving himself exposed because he's going, this is like going full Sith, you know? That's kind of nature of the beast, right? You're getting more damage out, but you're leaving yourself a little less aware, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm missing those crits to fails, right? That was massive, I feel like, on the front side. So Absolutely. But this is the Fury of the Forest, right? So this is him going full send on those Imperial Troopers here. Mm-hmm. So 
one expertise on the spear, a crit and a strike, two to three, two crits, four plus three crits. Jesse, we got a crit stick here. That's right. Looks Forget like the crit pistol. It looks like Leia's now, right? So this is this is great. We will never turn away two results for one expertise, right? That is massive. One of which being a crit. So yeah, this is the side to get it done if you need to get it done. Absolutely. Now let's talk about this tree here. So there's two starting points before we branch out. We're going to start at either a strain and a damage or a pin and a damage. Now, this is going to be one of those complicated trees. It looks like a Y-wing, but there's just a little bit more meat in the middle here. Yep. We've seen our Y-wing trees before. Yeah. yeah. This one is just a little bit of a, it's a thick Y-wing to keep the thick theme going here. So we're going to start with a pin. <laughs> Jesse's expression. We're going to start with a pin and a damage, the bottom starting tile. And then from here, we're going to go to two damage. Now, Miller, if we're going to continue down the bottom path, we're going to go to two more damage. Then we're going to do a disarm and a damage. And then we're going to end with three damage. So if you happen to roll really well and you fulfill this tree, that's going to be nine damage with a disarm and a pin. Pretty solid. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of damage. I mean, for this little Ewok. Absolutely. Now, if we start at the top end, which is the strain and the damage, and we follow the top branch that and then ends in three damage, we're going to get a strain and damage, two recovers, which is great to help him keep him topped off because he doesn't want to be wounded, and an expose and a damage before ending in three more damage. So again, we're going to get seven damage on this with an expose and two recovers. Pretty solid. Yeah, I like the recovers here. I like he's providing support and putting conditions on the enemy while he's doing it too. While he's maybe looking for a better tactical position to be on, catch his breath, etc. Now, now, now you gave him exposed, so you can bolo toss to maybe top him over the edge and kill him. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. You can use the bolo toss to finish him off. Eight damage, baby. Yeah, that's very Django. I've definitely wounded some characters by just whipcording them because they're already pinned. Pinned. Yeah. Yeah. Now, both starting points, the second step is two damage. So if you don't want to follow the top and bottom branches, you can branch to the middle. Both of those second tiles allow you to jump to the middle and they give you a shove and a damage followed by a reposition before you end in three more damage. So whether you take the top start or the bottom start, it's always going to culminate in seven damage if you choose to go through the middle. However, you're either going to start with a strain or start with a pin and then you'll get a shove and a reposition. So I really like this street, Jesse, because it just gives you a lot of options. You want to stack conditions, you can. You want to heal up, reposition, you can. You want to shove, right? If you yeah. really need one or two shoves, you can. It's pretty, pretty solid. And you're going to get farther up this tree mm-hmm. than average because that crit spear. Yeah. And let's not forget he has impact too. And he has a way to get focus on demand, right? So he is rolling 10 dice with that focus. Pair him with Jedi Hunter Vader and that's oh, 13 yeah. dice, my guy. <laughs> that's right. Nine damage on the bottom also is very scary, to be honest. I mean, that gets most characters in this game. And once again, you got to get through the tree. I do like this middle path. It's piqued my interest the most. You're starting with four damage and some sort of condition, and you're going into a shove and then a reposition. So once again, movement. I love it. I absolutely love it. So maybe going through that exercise we went through earlier, where you're realistically going to get three spots in a tree or four spots. Well, even if we got only three or four spots, I'm on. Let's say we got four spots. We are going four damage, a condition of your choice, whether it's pinned or strain, a shove and a reposition. I like that a lot. You'll happily take that. So yeah, this is him leaving himself exposed. Once again, actively pushing against his card where he wants to be unwounded, but he's getting stuff done when he's got to focus on this side. 
100%. I'm a big fan of Chief Chirpa. I honestly find him a little bit more interesting than Leia, and that's not to say that Leia's not interesting. I just find Chief Chirpa to be more interesting. That's fair. That's totally fair. I think Leia's interesting part is in the unseen. It's on the list building floor. It's what she's going to enable in the future and how unique that identity is, right? It basically says you build your team a little bit differently because of Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I don't disagree. This is just my murder bear and I love it. Also, let's think about Leia and the premier format too in the future when we get more rebel boxes and stuff. What she's going to enable for rebel Ewok mixed teams in the premier format when they bring four groups. Yeah, it's an interesting design space to be on the lookout for. And it's something that AMG is definitely going to have to keep in mind and in consideration. That's true. When they make any sort of rebel ability because it can immediately translate to Ewoks and Ewoks can benefit from that if you take Freedom Fighter Leia. Maybe that's some of that future proofing they might have done about is that she only brings seven, right? And that's the theme with Chirpa too. So obviously you're either bringing them together or you're choosing one of them as your seven and bringing someone else to membering you eight, right? And we say that because we've seen all the Ewok costs shown now by AMG. So we know if you really want to run as maximum Ewoks, what you got to do. But speaking of more Ewoks, we got to talk about Poplu. Once again, very similar to Futurpa. A lot of Poplu's canon is gone, but Poplu was a Ewok scout. He was a male Ewok of the Bright Tree Village. He, of course, aided the Rebel Strike team on the indoor moon, helped out Han Solo in particular, and created a great distraction for them to sneak in and start the mission by stealing a scout trooper speeder bike. And very luckily, he drove it without crashing it. This guy has a lot of luck. And Poplu is friends with Wicket, who's our hero Ewok, which we'll talk about later. But it's because Poplu and Wicket were scouts together. And a fun fact about Poplu, Amon, he was portrayed by Kenny Baker, who was the actor who portrayed R2-D2, the entire original trilogy. So he got an additional job to play this Ewok scout, which was great. Double duty at the Battle Indoor. He's playing R2 and Poplu. That's dope. Not much to say about Poplu other than he was a scout. He was lucky and he was very important in the battle. But you think about it through the lens of Poplu and being the older scout that's like Wicket's friend. And the Ewoks kind of go through this rite of passage, going from like young age to a scout to a warrior and all this stuff. It's a lot of trials and tests and stuff. So Poplu, I think, in the in Legends and then now a little bit in canon, he's that like slightly older buddy of Wicket while Wicket's trying to be like, hey guys, I can do everything too, you know? And they're like, not yet, Wicket, you're very young. So, but yeah, Poplu, he's he's lucky Ewok. Completely agree. He was pretty lucky. Honestly, as one of my most favorable moments in Return of the Jedi is just hearing him yell while on that speeder. Yeah. And they've translated and, and made an ode to that as well in the miniature itself, which... He's standing on a speeder, a wrecked speeder. And he's very lucky. And he's very lucky. His expertise is a little bit different from the rest of the game. That's true. And we'll talk about this. So Papalu is a secondary unit in Star Wars Shatterpoint. He has a point cost of four. And he's got nine stamina and two durability with Endor, Ewok, and Scout as his tags. I think that's pretty solid. Nine is great. Nine is great for a secondary. It's what you'd expect. And once again... Lorwyn, he's got the scout tag. Lorwyn, indeed. Let's start with his active ability, Feigned Retreat. This is a cost of one force. Choose another allied Ewok character within range three and an enemy character that the chosen character is engaged with. The chosen allied character may reposition away from the chosen enemy character 
and gain hunker. Then the chosen enemy character gains expose and may dash towards the chosen allied character. Such a weird ability. Very thematic. Very thematic. Really so, cool way to get guaranteed expose. Yeah, it is. So to break this down a little bit, let's go step by step, right? Yeah. We're going to choose an Ewok that's not Papalu. They have to be within range three. Yep. And that Ewok has to be engaged with an enemy character and you have to choose them as well. Or Absolutely. if there's multiple enemy characters, then you have an option. Yep. Keep in mind, you're still engaged when models are wounded and stuff, right? So that might come up. That is correct. Again, another great shout out, Jesse. So the chosen allied character, so the Ewok you picked or the rebel with the Ewok tag may reposition away. So again, this is important. It's the first time I think we're seeing reposition away from something on a card. And they are moving away from the other enemy character that you chose. That allied character gains a hunker. Now the chosen enemy character then gains expose. That's automatic. You can't contest that. Then there is an option for that character to dash towards your character that repositioned away. Yeah. I like it. He's giving him the heads up. He's the scout. But the enemy does get a benefit um, after the heads up was given to his ally and they kind of move away. I read this the same way I read Leia's Dead Night Charge, where I'm like, okay, what's the way I can use this to get a swing of objective points, especially between struggles when the struggles are shifting, right? This might be a great way to move your Ewok allies out of engagement where they don't want to be towards a new objective or on a new objective. That is great. That I think it's better than the exposed part. Now, the agency part of your enemy getting a dash is bad for you, but reposition is better than them getting a dash. It just is, right? So they can reposition as well towards the new objective or whatever, but that's how I read it at first pass, Simone. A way for Pat Blue to move allies during his turn, you know, to new objectives. I agree. I think that's a good use case. I honestly, outside of that, I don't know if this is a ability that you're going to see often. I think it's one of those cool abilities that super thematic, Glad it's there. Yep. Almost always going to be mediocre, but in some knee scenarios, it's like, wow, it kind of worked out. This is great. I agree. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what you're really doing is you're just repositioning one of your Ewoks who's engaged. So essentially, they get to advance away. And on smaller, more condensed maps like Sabotage Showdown, that could mean the difference between grabbing another point or not. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Next active ability, Stealthy Approach. Each character in this unit may dash and then they may gain hunker or immediately make a focus action same as chief chirpa here he's taught them all i love it that's great yeah seems like an ewok ability yeah it's better than clones like <laughs> i'm just I'm not gonna, gonna well, yeah don't comment i'm just gonna say the fact you get an option is just so great really do this for right but it's also a way for me as an ewok player to say i never take a focus action if i don't want to true that we have a reactive ability fearless and inventive cost of force when a character in this unit makes a melee attack as part of a combat action, before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. Add two dice to the attack pool for each enemy character other than the target that is not wounded and is engaged with one or more characters in the unit. Start on Bausch's card. We've seen it again now. Uh, this is great, Amon, for a character like this who wants to be in melee. More dice is better for him. Once again, situational. On yeah. The board state. For sure. We're obviously getting this theme here that Ewoks are better melee characters. In fact, they don't have range attacks, so they want to be in the thick of it. They have these high health pools like Separatists who 
are designed to swarm and take points early, play aggressively, and then they're going to want to fight you in melee. Now, melee is a dangerous place to be in Star Wars Shatterpoint because melee attacks are still king in this game. We have yet to see whether that will change with the introduction of the original trilogy and other IPs, but super excited to see how this pans out. But it's a dangerous game they're playing, man, because when you're in melee, there are lightsabers. Yeah. Sticks don't do very good against lightsabers, but... Yeah, and they don't care how dense you are. They'll cut right through you. (laughs) Very true. Last ability here is an innate ability called, what does this do? When a character in this unit makes a melee attack targeting an enemy character that has expose or pin, the attacking character, aka Papalu, may use the target, so the enemy character's, melee expertise chart during that attack instead of its own. Now, keep in mind, this is a may, so... It's an option, but, you know, maybe if you're making a melee attack against Vader or Luke or some big boy, Count Dooku, that is exposed or pinned. I mean, that could be a big way to really punish the enemy for bringing these big heavy hitters against you and a great way to kind of turn the whole melee engagement and the negatives that I just mentioned maybe into a positive, into a plus. Oh, most certainly. I mean, in the very least, you can say oh, is this a big hitting primary that has better melee expertise than me? Then yeah, let's just do it. You know, General Grievous's quad arm attack comes to mind. And the theme of this is incredible, where it's just Poplu's grabbing the weapon and he's just messing around with it, right? And it's so grab one of Grievous's arms on the bottom and turning it back on him or something. I love Crazy that. stuff. I love it. Crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So th- there are some rules questions that we have. Many. I had a conversation and we both looked through the rule book And at present, it is unclear on when you resolve the expertise tree, when you're using the opponent's expertise tree. Now, we don't want to misinform and we don't want to speak incorrectly. So we're going to avoid digging too deep into this ability. I think at the core concept, it makes sense. And I think we can all maybe guess how it functions. But I imagine that there will be a ton of questions in the rules form about this. And generally what AMG has done is that they will take those, take stock of those questions and answer them on release day. Yeah. So if you're proxying or you're finding other ways to play, maybe online, maybe you need to come up with a ruling in the time being. But I believe on February 16th, we'll have all the answers we need, hopefully. Yeah, and it's really important to know the timing of this because Poplu's expertise is the first we've seen in the game where it gets worse the further he goes. And so it's the timing of what am I using his? What am I using my opponents? You know what I mean? Like, did I get three expertise? And I don't want that on Poplu, but I definitely want that on General Grievous, right? So time will tell. I'm really excited to see how that turns out, Amon. I agree. Well, speaking of stance here, you mentioned his expertise. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> I love it. He's lucky. Yeah. So we'll start, with, we'll start <laughs> with the expertise here. It's called Lucky Day. One expertise to get two block and you turn a crit to a strike. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah. Defensive expertise. Good stuff. Yeah. It only gets worse from here. So in a first, we're going to have an inverted expertise tree in a sense. And that the more expertise you roll, the worse it is for you. Two expertise, you're only getting one block and turning a crit to a strike. Three plus expertise, you get one block. You weren't very lucky. Yeah. So in a weird way, a bunch of expertise... It's just as bad as rolling a bunch of blanks with him, right? Correct. Yeah. It's a great similarity. You don't want that. No, no, no. Now, Papalu does have a range attack. Range four, 
five dice on offense, five range defense, and on melee, six dice with five melee defense. Ewok stats is what it's looking like. This is their theme. Yeah. Going on to his ranged attack, which is his sling. The expertise here, if you roll one, it's a crit and a damage. If you roll two plus, it's just a, a damage. Man, one, a crit, then an auto damage. I love that. But yeah, you're getting downgraded the further you go. Yeah, it's really weird because by getting unlucky with your dice rolls, you get lucky, but then by getting lucky, you're unlucky. So really depends on the day as the intent of the idea is here. If we're looking at his melee expertise with his spear, one, a crit and two damage, two, a strike and two damage, three plus a damage. Just keeps getting downgraded as it goes, but it's insane to start for a secondary like this. I feel like this is almost worse. I don't know the math of that, the dice math I'm on. I feel like the dice math, yes, it's right. It's variable, especially because the dice that you roll are variable. Yes. I think it just flips the common conceptions we have about attacks on its head. Shadow point so far, it's very ooga booga. It's like more dice, more success, more wounds, you know? Certainly him, yeah. But with Paplu, it's like, nah, fam. <laughs> you know, it could be I'm just low doing dice me. pulls, though. He's pretty, he's pretty consistent, right? In a weird way. Now, notable while we are here, I did mention the what we what does this do and kind of the timing of when you're using Poplu's sphere, when you're using General Gravis's lightsaber or something. He can't use the what does this do on his sling. So the sling is always going to be that bad at two, right? So <laughs> keep that in mind. But the sphere situation with the melee, because it is a melee innate ability, we'll see on that. We'll see. But I like that he's got, at the end of the day, he's got a bunch of auto damage on his expertise, right? That's That's cool. I like that. Now, finishing off Paplu here on his loaded question stance, we're going to start with his tree, and it starts with a shove and two damage. Amazing. I'm already I'm already happy, especially with all these crits and his one expertise results. Big fan. You really want those shoves. So shove and two damage, and then from there, you can split off. And the second tile isn't as exciting, but it's okay. It's front-loaded. You can either go up and get a disarm or go down and get a strain. Either way, they both meet in the middle, and you can deal two damage. From there... You can go to a reposition, and then you can end with two different options. You can go up and take two damage, or you can go down and get a second shove with a damage. Yeah, so six damage total, but then you can add all this auto damage on top of that. You can get really lucky and maybe maybe do eight damage to a primary or something. But the bottom path is obviously very interesting with the, tub- the double shove reposition, right? Once again, we're seeing this Ewok mobility continue to happen. Once they're engaged and they can perform attacks and maybe get more mobility and stuff. Yeah, I I particularly enjoy this tree, if only because of the shove and the two damage front loaded. Yeah, for sure. I think anything else is just icing on the cake. Again, these Ewoks hit pretty hard, man. Like just looking at three successes in, that's four damage and a shove. And then either a disarm and a strain is pretty solid, man. Well, the fact that he can do this from range too, right? Exactly. He can shove someone off a point and then he can go somewhere else. And maybe the, the point that he shoves someone off, he had a fellow Ewok there, and that now that Ewok's winning the point, right? And he goes over someone else. Once again, that two-point swing, always got to keep that in mind. I'm very curious on how they rule in this expertise situation with him, Mon, but I can tell you one thing. It is very interesting that he gets more lucky, potentially, with the scarier person he's fighting, right? You don't want to take that clone's expertise. You want to take Vader's expertise, right? <laughs> so it's like, what are you, what are you doing, Pat Blue? How lucky are you can doing, Paplu? I love it. No, yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, he's Leroy Jenkins. Truly. Paplu! <laughs> oh, man. He's just a solid character. There's no, there's nothing too 
crazy about him other than we figure out this luck mechanic. And if you want to live on that luck mechanic, you could do it with him. And that's why I say like Ewoks seem like a lot of fun to play. They seem and I'm not some saying, of the most fun. Yeah. Yeah, but they're a little inconsistent. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying that they can't be competitive. All I'm saying is that you're going to have to roll with the punches. They got big spikes too, right? Which is very like exciting. Because <laughs> we're, we're talking about their inconsistencies, but peppered in throughout those inconsistencies, they've got these crazy spikes of, oh, I rolled well and I did a whole bunch of damage and I did a bunch of repositioning and moving around and I'll have scored out the round too, right? Or, so theme seems right. Ewoks needed to be a little bit lucky, right? To win the battle against the Empire. And they, and they did. They did. Well, let's move on to our supporting unit here. Jesse, give us the scoop on the Ewok Hunters. Nothing too crazy here in lore. I mean, we've pretty much covered all of it so far, but it's essentially, these are the generic run-of-the-mill guys who go out and get the food, right? They either forage or they hunt animals in the forest, and they bring it back. Now, this is more the flavor AMG has chosen is the ranged Ewoks, which we've gathered today from lore and through strategy. It's just a little bit more rare in the canon. Like, Obviously, Ewoks use ranged weapons a lot, but they really prefer to use melee stuff. That's just what they're better at, right? I mean, like we said, they can really put some weight into it there. But I just think of these with run-of-the-mill uh, ranger guys, right? Nothing too crazy there, but you got to have them in your village, right? You got to have got to have some rangers out there or scouts doing their job. So they protect the village from range and do the hunting. So pretty basic stuff. Fair enough. Let's jump to the Ewok Hunters in Star Wars Shatterpoint, a three-point cost supporting unit with two characters. I want to give quick shout out to the art here never seen a green ewok before but i'm all for it yeah i like the tones here i like it yeah we've got a lighter colored ewok a darker colored ewok i have a quick question actually jesse chief chirpa his art made him look like he was like a dark brown or a black yeah he is. ewok but the miniature they paint is white yeah so he's like a dark gray black with tons of gray in his fur because he's at the end of his life so they obviously leaned more on the gray side but if you see him in the movie especially in the ewok village with the low lighting of the fires and stuff he's a lot darker with the gray and the gray is really concentrated around his face too so his body could be more the darker color so yeah i would definitely lean on the darker colors of chief Trepa for sure yeah i mean they almost made him look like a little yeti ewok very interesting oh i think to answer your question he should be the Maybe the darkest tone one out there on the battlefield for you. Honestly, to help you pick them out too in the lineup because we're going to have some Ewoks on the table, right? Definitely going to try to paint this green Ewok. TBD, we'll talk about that when we okay. finally get our hands on them. Ewok Hunters have Endor, Ewok, and Warrior. Stamina of eight, durability of two. And they only cost three. Durability of two. Once again, I'm on. This is what they're choosing to do with these Ewoks and makes sense. I am mad. Now, this is a lot scarier. A support unit with a durability of two. Now I'm actually scared. I was less scared with Chirpa just because we see support units get removed regularly in the game with the durability of three, right? Yeah, I thought you were initially saying that you were scared that they were two, but what you're saying is because they're a supporting unit, you're just scared for them in general because... Supporting units get removed in general. So yes, these yeah. being a durability of two, read this as these are getting removed more than most supports in the game. And supports in the game are already getting removed. Yes, I think that's fair, and I think it the answer always depends, but yeah, I think you're right sure. in that. For sure. This is our lowest stamina, but I still think eight is respectable. I mean, better than clones, man. Definitely better than clones, yeah. Let's start with this active ability here, Stealthy Approach. We've talked about this one at length here, but again, cost of force. Each character can dash. If they dash, they get a hunker, or 
they can focus instead of the hunker. Yeah, we've already alluded to in lore, these guys are ranged units, so these are great things for a ranged unit. Either hunker on command or focus on command, right? On top of getting a dash to get in position. Exactly. Now, they also have a reactive ability called Coordinated Fire Pin. So, when a character in another allied Ewok unit makes an attack as part of a combat action before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. If the targeted character is within range 5 of character in this unit, the target unit gains pin. I love it. What's not to love? These guys are already putting the heat on the 212th in a major way. Because <laughs> they're looking very similar to the 212th. But uh, yeah, it's good. Pinned is amazing. I think Coordinated Fire Pinned is my personal favorite Coordinated Fire. And man, when you've got all these Ewoks in melee and these guys can sit in the back and pass out pins while the melee guys are attacking and you're doing more Coordinated Fires, you can really debilitate your opponent. We also saw Pinned on Chirpa and Poplu's trees. So that's a lot of auto damage too. Yeah, and they've got shoves as well. So you can really outzone your opponent early on, especially. That's cool. Speaking of early on, Innate ability camouflage. At the end of the setup, this unit may gain hunker. I love this. So I think I already saw a lot of people asking online about how is this viable or good. Well, in Shatterpoint, models can quite frequently move before they've even gone their first activation through support abilities, through movement. So that's the way you should frame this is models are getting moved up the board. You already start with the hunkers. There's many layers and, as Amon said, many situational things that you can't judge right now. But I'll tell you, it's, it's good. It's good. And it's free. What's not to love? I'm a bit surprised that people are saying that they don't think it's good. Like, that's pretty solid. I mean, I wish a lot of my characters started out with a free hunker at the start of the game. I agree. No, I I think it's really strong. I think it's, I'm kind of super excited to see it because I'm like, oh, what does this mean for the future of Shatterpoint? Exactly. And you know, like, I, I get what people are saying. Like, after you activate a character, the hunker token, when you activate a character, they lose all hunker before you actually right. complete their turn. But right. as you mentioned, yeah, just sling them around with your other characters. Leia, Chirpa, we haven't even talked about the other half of the Ewoks yet. So lots of cool stuff here. Last innate ability, strength in numbers. When a character in this unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, for each other allied Ewok character engaged with the target that is not wounded, add one dice to the attack roll. Character means model. So you could have the same unit double engaged, right? That's great. Two more dice. You could have Chirpa in there. This is great. This is very Kendor dathomirian night sisters and kind of their play pattern so if you're familiar with that getting a dathomirian engage and then shooting into that combat with them what's not to love about this amon once again access to more dice for these characters yeah overall i think this unit is pretty solid i mean nothing is like super exciting but stealthy approach is great coordinated fire pin is great camouflage has its uses and then strength in numbers is just like situationally amazing you know so i agree so let's see what they can do absolutely let's talk about their stance card here Walk about. Range four, attack with six dice on offense, five on defense, with a melee of five on offense, four on defense, expertise on defense, situational awareness, one to two a block, three plus two block, melee expertise, tenacious strikes, one damage, two to three, strike damage, four plus crit damage, and range expertise with the bow, one to two a crit, three a crit, and a damage, four plus crit strike damage. Jesse, what do we think about all that? Yeah, the first thing that stands out to me is, okay, the Ewoks are range four. They're not range five because even the Archer guys don't get range five, right? So then another restriction built in, another kind of limiting factor, but defensive expertise, it's fine. It's not great. Melee expertise, once again, more auto damage, but it's not great. And then you get to the bow and you're like, okay, there's all the crits. There's all the good stuff, right? I think it's great for a model that has 
access to focus and then access to more dice from strength and numbers, I think the bow can start getting really interesting and consistent. Yeah, I think interesting is a good word for it. Obviously, this unit is limited by the amount of steps on the tree, but five is pretty respectable and you can do some cool stuff with it. I mean, certainly a ton of damage. So let's jump into that right now. We're going to start with a pin and a damage. And then from there, we go to one damage. Now, the third step is a choice. You can either climb and deal a damage or shove. And then from there, the fourth step is an expose and a damage, culminating in a final two damage. So if you choose the all damage route, six damage. If you get any melee or range expertise, you can potentially do seven damage. Yeah, that's pretty good, honestly. No, it is really good for a three cost, like for support that only costs three of your squad. These guys are really solid, but I mean, obviously they have weaknesses. They have a range four weakness. They have a durability weakness of being only two, and they really don't like to be in melee, which is different from the rest of the Ewoks who like to be in melee, as Amon mentioned earlier. So these guys are an outlier, but that's okay. It's nice to have a range unit and a squad that's all melee. You know, I agree. They're your quintessential hold a back point or yeah. hold a midpoint, take some shots, coordinate, fire it up, maybe get lucky, take someone out, try to survive. I really love seeing climb on trees. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's a good way to add in mobility that's unexpected, right? And also, what's not to love about the theme of this, right? These guys are shooting a bunch of arrows. They're getting to higher positions, right? Yeah, I like it a lot. And I also like that, once again, we got synergy with exposes from Poplu and Chirpa, right? To give yourself either more auto damage or just keep the exposes on your opponent, right? At all times. Like an attack just finished of an exposed enemy. But you're putting exposed on again in this tree, right? So another thing with the Ewoks is seems like they like pinned and exposed a lot, Amon. Yeah, I think they do. And I think that leads into how do we talk about this tree? How do we talk about this box as a whole, right? So I think it really depends on who your primary is. I think that's the first thing you have to figure out. And that starts in the turn zero aspect of the game, which is what happens before the game. So if you're list building and you're thinking, hey, I want to build a combined list of Ewoks and Rebel Alliance characters. There's only one choice. That is Leia Organa. Now, you could also play Leia with full Ewoks, and you don't have to worry about her identity, but it does feel a little bad to play a primary with that much of an identity. Now, that being said, I think they've balanced that with the randomness of Chief Chirpa's identity as well. So really comes down to what you're into, because if you want to go full Ewok, I think Chief Chirpa is the better option. So if you're going full Ewok, Take Chief Sherpa, and you just play the game that AMG has dictated the game is going to go. You're going to surge on points early. You're going to try to score them early. You're going to try to win the game in two struggles. As the game continues and you get more bogged down and your stuff gets more expensive and you start feeling the concern that two durability provides to your units, that's when things get a little dicey because as Jesse mentioned, with supporting units, two durability often can be removed. And while these Ewoks are dense and tough, they're just fur right so eventually they take hits they go down and then you might be out of an identity you might be out of a primary could be out of a secondary another interesting concept to think about playing this box is papalu right papalu is kind of this wild card because yeah his expertise gets worse all around as the more dice you roll and the more number of those successes you attain when you roll those expertise but he's super interesting in the fact that he can be this not assassin, because I think that's too strong of a word, but maybe this this warrior, this like blunt force trauma piece that can just walk up oh, to yeah. an enemy fighter 
and maybe take a primary or a Django that's particularly good in melee and turn their strengths against them, which could be interesting because if you're able to figure this out quite consistently and depending on how AMG rules things, placing Paplu and this squad could be a deterrent to where maybe they place their strongest melee fighter. Will that be the case? I don't think so, but it could be something to think about, right? Yeah. I, I put them in the same category as Savage, right? Where it's like, can Savage just rip some supports up? Oh, absolutely. But what's Savage's best day when he's going toe-to-toe with a primary or secondary, right? And doing what he does best. Papalu reminds me of that, but Papalu reminds me of like the more explosive, riskier version of that. And he's like an alpha striker, right? Which is interesting, but you also don't necessarily know how the alpha strike is going to go. He's very different from Savage in that way, because Savage, at the end of the day, you know he's got this massive health pool, protection, steadfast. Papalu, no, no, it's just, it's all damage all day, hopefully, <laughs> right? Against those primaries and secondaries in particular, who are harder hitting in combat. But I do like that among that he's like, he has asking questions to your opponent where it's, well, who's he going to go fight? Where do you want to do in turn zero? And that's maybe that's a good place to place him. So I'm curious. I'm very curious on Papalu. He, he is the wild card of this box. Absolutely. So well said there. I think you made some really good points, Jesse, and absolutely, yeah, definitely feels certainly like a wild card for sure. But I really think that's the strategy, right? Try to win hard, fast, and early. Ewoks can do a ton of damage. Leia can help with that with her coordinated fire exposes. Leia does a lot of damage herself. I mean, explosive charge is such an interesting ability. And what I really like about Leia is as we get more Rebel releases, I think this box is a great investment because you're going to get a lot of longevity around this box in particular. Again, you get that cross-tag play between Ewoks and Rebels, but also maybe Leia can just be played as a Rebel primary in an all-Rebel list with zero Ewoks Yeah, just because of her ability suite. You know, if it works really well with a future Rebel primary and some units, why not? And I think that what makes me most excited about this box is the options. Obviously, again... A lot of Ewoks are trying to deal a lot of damage and condition stack you. There's a lot of early access to shoves, which all lends credits again to what Plummer, Michael Plummer, one of the designers, lead designer for Shatterpoint said on AMG's stream, which was you try to win hard and fast, but they don't like prolonged engagements. So you're trying to play it like a separatist game almost, but you are maybe sacrificing your ability to have a 50-50 matchup in Struggle 3. Ooh, yeah, or Struggle 3, like... If you get there, you're going to have less models on the table, right? Than your opponent, potentially. And that's a pretty hard hill to climb. But maybe you can use these repositions and all these shoves and stuff to still win the day and just kind of score out. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is struggle one, you happen to lose very quickly. I don't think that's a bad thing because you could quickly win struggle two and three because those struggles tend to go a lot faster. I mean, most games of Shatterpoint, struggle one is the longest, right? It's usually half the game. Right. So what you're saying is the longevity of the game is what really kills the Ewoks. Like a long struggle one, a long struggle two, a long... Like that's when they just, they don't want that situation. They don't want the dug in back and forth. I almost think, I wonder if there's this really cool strat you could play. Obviously you have to test this where you, if you realize you're losing struggle one, just give it to them real quick. Yeah. Pivot hard and a struggle two. try to win that in three, four activations. It's been I done. Like it can happen. And then pivot even harder in a struggle through. Obviously you're disadvantaged there because your opponent gets to set the terms of the engagement in terms of the choice, but hey. Not on sabotage. Not on sabotage. <laughs> ah, man, Ewoks is so exciting. And we're going to obviously talk more about how these boxes come to fruition 
after our next Ewok episode, because this is our first instance of Mon in the game where it's, here's what Leia does, here's what Chirpa does. We don't even know, we haven't even talked about what the next Ewoks do, right? And the mix and matching nature of even bringing R2 and 3PO into it too, right? What that looks like and multiple options. You can go all Ewoks, you can go mix and match. As Mon said, you can go all Ewoks and Leia. So many options. So this these are the two boxes that keep on giving, right? If you really want to plug into this and try the different variations for sure. A thousand percent. Hopefully we'll do it here, and we hope you guys enjoyed this first foray into the Bright Tree Village. It was fun, Amon, and I'm excited to return to the Bright Tree Village very soon. I am too. I'm pretty excited. I'm not going to lie. These are exciting carts. These are exciting play patterns and stuff, and yeah, I'm just excited to see where these Ewoks take us this year, but that's an episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this, and we want to tell you all the places you can find us and support us online if you're interested in that. Hello there is supported by our wonderful patrons. You become a hello there patron by going to patreon.com slash hello there cast. Of course, this gets you instant access into the private discord, the private leagues, and many more things, including the bonus episodes of the podcast. You can find us everywhere online on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at hello there cast. You can email us at hello there cast at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice that you listen to us on right now. Just thumb over and give us five stars, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you listen on those and haven't given us a five-star review, it'd mean a lot. And if you even write something, we do read this stuff, and it means a lot. Absolutely. We'd also like to give a huge shout-out to Lofiel for our awesome music. Couldn't do without Lofiel's music. Absolutely. Well, you can find me and Amon in several spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, all at the same place, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. That's X, Instagram, Longshanks, Discord. And check out my podcast for your finest about everything Marvel Christ Protocol in the Marvel Universe. A lot of stuff coming for MCP this year, which is very exciting. And I'm excited to talk some lore on that show as well about returning to the mutants. Amon, where can everyone find you? You can follow me generally as Amon or a man who games on all social media. Also on Longshanks, I founded a podcast about Warhammer Underworlds called Path to Glory, where we focus on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. We've actually just switched to a weekly schedule because we've added more people to the podcast, so that's been quite exciting. So if you're interested in talking about, quote unquote, the most competitive miniatures game out there, check us out. We've got a lot of cool topics that we cover, and I'm the reigning world champ, so we've got a lot to talk about. That's exactly what I said last episode. Listen to Amani's the reigning world champ. I said it again. Well, we'll return to the Bright Tree Village very soon. I'm excited to talk about these Ewoks that we all love so much. But until next time, may the Force be with you. Ichiki Wakima! So uncivilized.